to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday after Epiphany for the week of January 24th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are still in the season of Epiphany. We are in this amazing time where we're trying to follow the light and trying to dig into and thinking about, you know, what does it really mean to be following God? What does it really mean to be trying to integrate that into our lives. I have to do a shout out this week to newly ordained Reverend Emily Papke Larson this week, watching your ordination service with going through all this. I think it's a perfect season to be going through an ordination process, thinking about epiphany as this season of following the light. And I think that's where we're at. And I think in a lot of ways, that's where our whole world is at. There's a lot of ways where we're frustrated with where we're at. We're frustrated with this place and this time of what can we do and what can't we do and why can't we do it and it's out of our control. And there's so many times where you just have to okay, we just have to follow. We just have to trust. We have to trust the scientists. We have to trust our leaders. We have to trust a lot of other people. And especially within the United States, where so much is talked about with freedom and how we have so many freedoms in our lives, it's sometimes hard to be able to listen to somebody to be able to give these ideas on this is then how we need to be living at this time and in this place. And I think it's just something right now that as a world, we're learning to deal with and struggle through and wrestle with. And I think it leads really well into the conversation we had last week when we look at the Twitter question, where are your social circles similar to a fragile ecosystem? And one of the responses that we got back is, isn't that what we've been going through this last year? How much the disconnection with student and teacher relationships, looking at it from the perspective of how you fit into your church community, how elders were able to mentor young youth, and those relationships are changing. And it's been in good ways, but in a lot of ways, I think we all are craving this moment of when can we go back to what we knew? at least within social circles. I know there's definitely people where, yes, it's nice talking on the phone, but I definitely want to be able to be in the same room and not have to worry about covering up my face. I know for one that I really like doing, I love interacting with young children at the grocery store that I don't know or whatever and make a funny face or whatever. And when you have a mask on and that you're covering up a third of your face to half, it's hard to be able to convey and express those surprise feelings or try to get their attention when I purely only have my eyes. So much of my expression comes within my face. And I think that's something that we're all missing. We're missing those different social interactions, those different social cues that we've been raised and accustomed to, that that makes it difficult to be able to move forward. And I think that's really an interesting mindset to be in when we look at the text that we have this week, because in a lot of ways, that's a little bit what we're getting into this week. And I don't want to jump right into the gospel reading this week. I want to jump right into the first reading this week is out of Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 and verse 10. Now, before we get into this, I feel like I almost have to summarize the whole four-chapter book of Jonah. So the first two chapters, God comes to Jonah. He says, go to Nineveh. Nineveh is a huge rival to the Israelites. It's a territory that's just been devastating to them. Jonah decides, nope, 
I am not listening to this, gets on a boat, goes the opposite direction. A storm raises up. They're throwing stuff overboard. Jonah finally confronts and says, okay, throw me overboard. A fish scoops him up, eats him. He sits and spends some time in there, spits him back on shore. He goes to Nineveh. This is where we're at right now. So Jonah then is going to this great city of Nineveh and is told to tell them that God is very frustrated with them. So Jonah gives this terrible sermon. 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he says as he's going through the city. That's a three-day walk across. And all of a sudden, the whole city repents, including their emperor, and they show pity on him. And God then's like, I can't do this. So I'm not destroying the city. Chapter four, Jonah gets upset about this. A tree grows up to give him shade. It dies. Jonah then gets super upset where I'm going to die for this tree. And God's like, really? Because look at what happened. This great city of Nineveh is in the same spot that suddenly I'm supposed to kill this city because you're upset. And it's the only book of the Bible that ends on a question. It's a really cool way, but especially looking at this sermon of here is Jonah being rebellious, being that rebel where I don't want to do it, and then even does a piss poor job doing it with 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And Nineveh decides to turn their ways and God sees it and decides not to overthrow the city. The psalm this week is Psalm 62 verses 5 to 12. This is a fun psalm because it's the recognition of how strong God is, how big God is. And in all of this, we have to trust God. We can't put our trust in ourselves and things of human nature that we need to continue to trust God and what God is doing and listening to what God then is telling us to do. Really interesting psalm to stick into this week. The second reading this week is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29 to 31. So we're continuing on this little journey here in 1 Corinthians with a very, very short little passage. And I'm even going to read it to you. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no possessions. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. The final phrase, for the present form of this world is passing away. The recognition of the world changing, this recognition of constantly getting closer to where God is wanting to restore us and restore the world. And what does that mean? Is it if this was your last day? What does that mean? How would you live your life differently? This idea of we don't know when that is and so we have to continue to be striving toward it and working toward it. The gospel reading this week is out of Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. So we have to remember, and we're going to be kind of spending some time in this area over still over the next few weeks, 
but we've gone through the baptism of Jesus. Now he's doing his early ministry. He hears that John has been arrested. He has also been tempted in the wilderness. And so Jesus is like, okay, it's time. He even states here in verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Jesus then decides to go out and cat his first disciples. So he sees Simon and his brother Andrew casting nets and he says, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they leave their nets and follow him. And they go a little further. He finds James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John mending their nets. And immediately after he calls them, they leave their father in the boat and the hired men and follow him. Immediately as what God is calling these people to do. And again, there's some, when we look at some of the other gospels, at least recognition that they probably knew who Jesus was. That, okay, now is the time. And then they go. They change. They about face they go in a different direction. It's interesting. Fishermen, again, not a super profitable job, but yet here they are leaving the family profession to do something different. Really interesting text, and we'll jump into that a little bit more here. But first, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help you bring this podcast between the different types of commentaries from multiple different biblical scholars, along with having their Working Preacher podcast, along with other different podcasts and commentaries and discussions. If you're not checking this out and hearing from all these different biblical scholars who know way more about biblical stuff than me, even me, I'd highly recommend checking out workingpreacher.org. Change. It's the word that we all wrestle with in some form or fashion. It's a word that when we were a child, in a lot of ways, it was a word that we look forward to, growing a year older and the change of different things. But there's always been parts of us that struggle with that word. Moving on, changing things up, doing something different. It's interesting to me when we look at these texts and see that Jesus is calling these men and they're so open to change. We see Jonah after kind of tail talk between his legs and I guess rolling his eyes that I guess I'll go and talk to this city of Nineveh. I'd much rather that you just take care of it. And as we find out later in this, that's a little bit beyond the readings, Jonah gets real upset when God changes his mind, but he still goes through and does what the very thing he didn't want to do earlier, a change of perspective. The psalm helping us understand that this isn't about us. It's about us waiting on God to be able to listen, to hear what God is speaking to us, to change our hearts, to make them more like Christ. And like we get at the very end here of the first Corinthians reading, for the present form of this world is passing away, aka the world is changing if you like it or not. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do about that change? What are you going to do when confronted with the idea and the possibility that change is right there in front of you? What are you going to do when it's right there. I stumbled across a couple different things this last week that I think 
it's worthy to consider with this text from a scientific perspective. One of which is a recent study that came out in December 3rd of 2020 in the journal Science. And it's that we were finding that especially in the fall, coho salmon on the Pacific West Coast seemed to have extremely high mortality numbers as they were going from the Pacific Ocean and trying to go up along the West Coast. And it's specifically in these falls after rainstorms and the different things as they were going up to spawn. And we did some tests and realized that during typical spawning, adult coho salmon would die less than 1% of the time. But during these recent few years of autumn events, they were finding anywhere between 40 to 90% die-off. What is going on? We figured out it all comes down to an additive in our tires, 6-PPD. When mixed with the ozone was making this previously unknown byproduct of 6-PPD quinanone. And what that seems to be doing is it seems to be very intoxicating for these fish. Now, again, one of the things that's a difficult thing with science is that this is one study. And yes, it needs to be studied again. I still trust the work that is coming out of the University of Washington, Tacoma, but it's worthy to have a second test to make sure that these results can be verified, to make it a peer-reviewed type of article. That being said, coho salmon are endangered or threatened on the species list depending on state and location. It means we're right on the edge of losing these. And if we're finding that we potentially have something that is causing the problem that is making it hard for these guys to live, and especially that salmon, because of their spawning and what they do to streams and ecosystems, is it really worth risking it? That's the difficult place that we're in. Is it worth the risk while we're waiting to do this initial study? On the flip side of that coin, the difficult thing is, is 6-PPD is in almost every type of tire out there. It's an antioxidant that makes the tires last longer, makes us so that we can go 60 to 70,000 miles without worrying about our tires. Is it worth it? What does this all mean? Another example of this to be thinking about, and I stumbled across, and again, I'll attach these links down below, SciShow put out a great, great short video this week talking about as potential climate change is happening and as our global climate warms, what's the potential fallout of that? So first we have to look into, we have photosynthesis and respiration. So photosynthesis, the process with plants of converting CO2 into oxygen and the sugars for them to be able to fuel their plants. And respiration is the process of either the plants burning that sugar to release a little bit of CO2, but able to do the functions that the plant needs, or the process of being broken down by other detritivores, or other things breaking down plant matter, again, releasing CO2 into the atmosphere. Now, why do I bring this up? The processes of these 
are somewhat temperature dependent. The enzymes and how fast that they're moving and bouncing around, being able to bump into these different things to be able to one, okay, okay, we have the enzymes bouncing around to, okay, yep, we're going to bounce into these CO2 molecules and we're going to start that process of photosynthesis to be able to make sugars. Or in the opposite direction, the enzymes to be able to break down the sugars and moving back and forth to be able to help the plant be able to survive. These two enzymes and enzyme groups that are needed for these processes don't happen at the same temperatures. So the peak temperature that we're finding for photosynthesis, where it's at its max capacity, and then after that, that the temperature actually starts to make the enzymes less efficient and makes them kind of break down with typical plant life. So we're talking just, you know, green plants or trees and things of that nature. It's around 18 degrees Celsius, which is about 64 degrees Fahrenheit. For corn, because corn is such a unique plant, when you're looking at that, you're looking more in the ballpark of 28 degrees for its photosynthesis, so thus 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Respiration seems to keep going and going and going and going and going to the point where they have estimated where the point where it would actually start falling off is 65 degrees Celsius, which is 149 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's the problem. The problem is, is that now you're having the breathing in, the process of being able to release oxygen in the atmosphere, that as the temperature of the earth keeps climbing, that it becomes less and less efficient at being able to convert stuff in to oxygen, thus making that there's less oxygen to go around, thus making it harder for us to survive. Now, in the SciShow episode, they say one of the possible saving graces of this would be that the oceans could potentially take on and that wouldn't be at that same spot and it could be a carbon dump. But the issue being, if we don't change our way, do we really want to experiment and see what happens? And there's multiple different studies talking about the significance of raising the Earth's global temperature by one and a half to two degrees Celsius could have long-lasting effects. The question then becomes, again, is it worth it? Is it worth taking that chance? I think about when you're looking at James and John and Andrew and Simon, who becomes Peter, was that their thought process? Was that their thought process of, I've spent time around this Jesus guy. Seems to have some pretty amazing things to say. There seems to be some pretty amazing things going on. He's saying, now is the time. I know what this result is. I know what this allows me to do. Is it worth the risk of potentially seeing something different? Potentially changing things up. Potentially letting this go. I can always come back to fishing. James and John, my dad's going to continue to do this. Did they see the risk of them saying no? Did they see the risk of, I know what this life is and I'm wanting something more? Were they looking at it from the perspective of, this gives me an opportunity to do something different, to do something greater? And Jesus is talking about these things that are just unique and different and have me interested. 
If I was James and John and I heard someone say, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news, would you not be intrigued to at least see what this guy is doing? When Paul is talking about that the world as we know it is about to pass away, trying to create a sense of urgency of being able to get the message out and do what we are called to do, When we look at Jonah and the story of Jonah and how even against his own will, when he finally does it, then suddenly, bang, things happen. Does it not get us to question when we have different results sitting in front of us on the potential causes of harm to our ecosystems that could have long-lasting effects? Why wouldn't we maybe really seriously look at changing things? Seriously think about changing our way of doing things. Can we look and figure out another antioxidant that helps with mileage so that it doesn't have these little bits of tire oxidizing with our ozone to make a compound that's dangerous for fish? And who knows if it's just one type of salmon, if it's poisonous for one, couldn't we assume it's probably poisonous for others? And that we're essentially then also creating microplastics that are going into the ocean and we've seen the long-lasting effects that it potentially is going on with plastics in our ocean systems. Would we not consider at least maybe taking an aggressive approach? I understand the vantage point of saying, let's get another test, but at that same breath, can't we say then we're also diversifying and trying to find another one to replace this compound in our tires? When we're looking at and considering that when we look at the data of what's going on with respiration and photosynthesis and that this doesn't look good if it gets too warm. We could maintain a little while where, you know, certain ecosystems, the temperature gets warmer and that the breathing in, if you want to say it, the photosynthesis isn't quite as efficient. It isn't working at peak efficiency, but it's going to drop back down and we're able to work on that. But if we get too far beyond it, does it just kill the efficiency so much that suddenly we can't maintain? Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we look and think about what is going on with this, this is calls to action. Jesus is calling to action his disciples. Jonah, when he finally decides to obey the Lord, sees the action of what God can do even to a belligerent prophet. We see Paul talking and saying, I am concerned and this is something of priority that your faith should be taking priority. There should be a call of action to what you are doing with your faith. And the psalm recognizing that it's not on our decision, it's that we have to be waiting upon God. And when God says go, it's time to go. My question is, is when we have scientific support continuing to pile up on the effects of when, if we get to a certain point that our world becomes, it changes to a point where we can't fix it anymore. We've done permanent damage. When we look at when a certain fish species is gone, what is that doing to that ecosystem? Are we okay with that? Are we okay looking at killing different industries, killing ecosystems, all for the sake of our comfort. When we are in these places and we're considering and what's going on in our world, and especially as when the vaccine hopefully continues to roll out and hopefully we continue to make progress moving forward to be able to move back toward some type of being able to have at least social interactions with people, 
what we used to know in that regard? Is it not also a good time to be reconsidering different parts of our lives and facets and being able to look at and see that, you know, maybe it's time to make changes. We are called to action with our faith and we are called to, I believe, look at science and being able to utilize it and understand that there's times that that means that we need to make drastic changes in our own lives. The drastic change of suddenly looking at and recreating the tire in certain ways or the call that God gives to us that suddenly brings us into a whole new direction on where we are going. We have to be okay with both. So the Twitter question this week is, are you okay with change, especially if God is telling you the change? Are you okay with change, especially if God is calling for a change? Because I know for me, there's a lot of times where I love rebelling against that. I love not saying, God, you know, I have a nice thing going here and I really don't want to change it up. But that's not necessarily what God is wanting you to do. There's times where God is calling us to go further, to follow a star, to chase what God has designed you to do. We have to remember it's not about our will, it's about God's will. When we are looking and caring for our environment and seeing that there are things that we are doing that's causing damage, why would we not then take care of it as we are called to do in Genesis 1, 2, and 3? These are the things that we are told and called to do. And even when it's difficult and even when it's hard, we have to be okay with doing that. This season of Epiphany is exciting and joyful and it lets us do some deep reflecting, but it also can get real hard really quick. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. What does that mean for us today? Are you actively living that out? Or for the present form of the world is passing away. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with letting go of what God's creation is? If not, then we have to be okay with letting go of what we know of life. And that's the difficult part of faith. But I would also argue, even as Jonah was disagreeable and acting like a young teenager, especially when we get to the end of chapter 4, you can't seem but think that at some point Jonah looked back and realized, yeah, you know, God did the right thing, even though it wasn't what I wanted. And it's probably for all of our benefit. The one other one we can look at is Father Zebedee looking at his two sons leaving his fishing operation and was probably upset at the time. But we would hope that by the end of these gospels that he looks back at his sons and looks at what they were doing and realizes that they made the right decision to follow God. I can't be mad at them any longer because they go on to do great things because they're going and chasing what God had designed them to do. Are we doing the same thing? I don't know. It's a difficult question to ask and that's why we have Epiphany. To start getting into these deep questions and getting us to prepare to do these deep reflections that we get into in Lent. Because following God is not an easy task all the time. But it's worth it from what I can see in the scriptures multiple times over in the end. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.